0: You're listening to the Homeschooling Families podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome! Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you are here. Recently, on an office hours call with a number of Teach Them Diligently 365 members, a question was asked that sparked a conversation about realistic expectations. As I discussed the situation with the mom who asked the question, I was amazed to see the chat box blow up as others expressed their struggle with that as well. When I stepped back a bit and thought about it a little more, I realized that much of what we see and read is actually designed in such a way as to feed unrealistic expectations and all the frustration, stress, and disconnect that come along with it. So, today we're going to look at those unrealistic expectations in a homeschool edition. So, stay tuned. I really think you'll hear a lot of things over the next few minutes that will set you free from those unrealistic and unrealizable expectations you may have put on yourself and on your children or spouse regarding your homeschool efforts. Our TTD live events are going strong, and we have several in the works for you this fall we will be hosting a one day event in San Diego, California on October 22nd. Then on Saturday, November 5th, we'll be in Washington DC at the Museum of the Bible. We, along with our partners at Trail Life USA are excited for you to join us there. These one day events are an incredible way for you to experience the teaching and encouragement that Teach Them Diligently has to offer in a smaller package. So grab your friends and make your plans to join us there. You can learn more about all of our events and secure your tickets by going to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events. I cannot wait to see you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Creating a Masterpiece. Creating a Masterpiece provides award-winning drawing classes for your children by an expert instructor, and we can't recommend them highly enough. If your student has an interest in drawing, this is the program for them. This award-winning program is designed by master artist and teacher Sharon Hofer to empower students who love to draw. Drawing is a skill anyone can learn. You don't have to be gifted. So in this program, Sharon will teach students step-by-step how to plan, develop, and enhance carefully designed projects. As students advance through the levels, they'll learn about more intricate ways of implementing and enhancing their projects through applying technique. Then as they master these techniques, their own drawing projects will improve. The projects in this program have been limited to the inexpensive mediums of pencil, colored pencil, and charcoal, and the skills being taught can be used to enhance many other forms of drawing and fine art media. You can learn more about creating a masterpiece by going to creatingamasterpiece.com. It's funny to me that they're a sponsor on our podcast about unrealistic expectations. Because what I've seen their students, including my own children, create, I honestly would have considered unrealistic. This truly will allow your kiddos to create pieces of art they'll be very proud of, and the accomplishment they feel will overflow into many other areas of their life. Check them out at creatingamasterpiece.com. All right, so now I want to talk to you a little bit about those unrealistic expectations that so many of us put on ourselves. First of all, what is an expectation? Let's make sure that we're kind of all thinking along the same lines first. An expectation is a belief that someone will or should achieve something. So we go into our homeschool year with certain expectations. We expect that we are going to move forward in our curriculum. We expect that we are going to cover a certain amount of ground, whatever it is. These are our expectations academically. When they get to be unrealistic expectations, though, things that really are are not attainable, not achievable within the confines of a normal family functionality, then we're going to find that those unrealistic expectations tend to create friction. They, they disrupt relationships. They really, really cause a lot of problems. They create misunderstandings where your expectation and what they are able to do or, or even their understanding of what you expect is not always the same and that causes problems. It causes frustration both for you as the homeschool teacher, for your spouse if this is something that has to do with them and most certainly for your students who feel like no matter what they do, they can't Excel and so much more. And so I want us to look at just a few ways today that these unrealistic expectations tend to show up in our homeschools and how we can kind of reframe the way that we look at things, reset the way that we talk about them. Because I think that for a lot of us, the way that these concepts have been presented is really, really hard because the messaging itself lends itself to these unrealistic expectations so much. So the first one that I want to talk about is a love of learning. We kind of hollow that. That is a, that's kind of the holy grail of home education there, a love of learning. We want to instill in our children a love of learning. And that is so true. We get to do things in ways that really lends itself to instilling in our children a love of learning. But here's the thing. A love of learning does not necessarily equate to a love of doing school. A love of learning may never ever in your child's entire life look like, I love to do worksheets. Um, Those are two very different things. In fact, uh, I was just having a, a conversation last night with one of my kids who is in college And she noted specifically that she absolutely loves learning, but she struggles so much in school doing the academic work that it's really, really frustrating for her. But she, all of my kids, I find dive into stuff. They love learning. Not all of them have ever loved the act of school, nor or, or, and several of them have actually struggled, especially at the different levels and stuff like that. So it's not the same. And so when we are gauging our success in instilling in our children, a love of learning specifically by Whether they love doing school, whether they just can't get enough of it, we're really looking at it the wrong way. We are setting up an unrealistic expectation. You know, as as a mom, I love learning too, but I don't have time nor would I enjoy sitting down and doing a lot of the, the busy work and stuff that goes along with the function of school. So we need to kind of practically remember that those two things are very different. And when we have an unrealistic expectation that a love of learning is going to equate to a love of doing school, you're going to find that you're going to go a long way towards squelching that love of learning rather than enhancing it because the pressure, the misunderstanding, the friction, all of those things that we talked about um, briefly at the very, very beginning really get exasperated as you are now applying, ah, You get the frustration that you're not seeing this love of learning when actually you're just not seeing a love of doing school. So we can't forget that we we still have children who are who are the same vent that we are. We don't like doing hard things. We don't enjoy things that is more monotonous or repetitive but if we are able to really really light a fire in them and ignite that love of learning that is going to carry them for so much farther than a love of doing school and the way that we do that is simple we pull on those threads if something interests them and you're you know going down a path and something really really is fascinating to them, look into it. Learn more about it. Help them to see how much fun it is to gain all that information um, on stuff that they're really interested in. And then you're going to find that they want to gain it on a whole lot of other stuff that they don't even recognize yet that they're interested in. So take those detours, learn more about a lot of different things, and then read a lot with your kids. That's another way to really truly instill a love of learning in them. Or you know, have great conversations with them, listen to the things that are important to them and let them teach you too, because the more that they're able to teach you the things that they're excited that they've learned, that's going to go farther towards accentuating that love of learning. So there are a lot of ways that love of learning shows up, but you're going to be really frustrated if you're only looking at a love of school as being indicative of that, because those two things are not the same thing. So number one in our unrealistic expectations homeschool edition is a love of learning. The second thing is to create an independent learner. We all want, you know, another one of our big goals is to create independent learners. And that is great. And there will come a time, maybe, maybe probably, when you're going to see that independent learner come about. But every child is different. Every child is going to get there different at a different time. And it's very unrealistic for us as parents to think that we can create or we can mandate that they be an independent learner before they are mature enough, before they care enough, before we have given them a solid foundation for what they're doing. And we have to remember, that every year, just like our school year looks different, every single year, our setup, we're we're organizing things differently, all of this, every year for them, they're doing new things. So when they could have gotten to an independent learner status uh, in some areas the last year, they may actually slip back because they need more help. So as a homeschool parent, we need to be really keyed into where they need help. And we need to not take our hands off and especially not do that prematurely. And for so many, I see that frustration coming in where, because we are told to make independent learners and the glories of having an independent learner, we're sitting there expecting our, you know, 10, 11 year old boys to be independent learners. And I'm not sure that there's a handful of 10 or 11-year-old boys in the world that are ready, mature-wise and and physically and every other way to be a, what we would deem an independent learner. So when we are really striving and pushing our children to things that are unrealistic, unrealizable, you are reinforcing to them that they are not able to do it. Therefore, especially with with the, these kids who are getting to where you are thinking they should be old enough, you know they can read well, they can understand things. All of that is true, but how's their attention span? How is their their organization? how How organized are they? Are they able to do you know all of these different things at one time to kind of move these projects forward? So when we leave them alone and we just kind of say, "Here is your assignments for the, here are your assignments for the day." you are independent or for the week or whatever. I want you to drive your own ship on your education here. We're doing them a great disservice and we're setting ourselves up for frustration. And again, we're gonna start seeing that friction in our relationships. As a heart schooling family, which at Teach Them Diligently, we really teach this heart school model of education, homeschool for the heart of your children. Relationships are paramount because of the mission that God has given you. And then preparing them to, to move on from once you're ready to launch them, but you've got to guard those relationships. You cannot put these unrealistic expectations on your children where they're causing so much friction that you're going to actually ding those relationships and make every other part of your mission be so much harder just because you have heard people talk about you know independent learning and you, you in your zeal to give your kids... All the wonderful things, and to prepare them, and to look like a true homeschooler, or whatever it is that you, that you're wrestling with, you forget where your children actually are, and you lose sight of really how important your involvement with them is. I've got a book coming out very, very soon that's on the heart School method of education, and one of the things that I learned as I as I studied and as I put this book together is the critical importance of parental involvement in. Children's education and, like, statistically, it's crazy the differences between those who are left alone. And, you know, specifically, these studies were done with kids who are in a classroom environment. So, parents who are not engaging with them outside of the classroom, uh, where they they are just kind of left alone to finish up their work, their homework, whatever. The statistical difference between those whose parents were right there in the trenches, really helping them all the way through, and their success rate, as opposed to those who were more hands-off, laissez-faire, didn't really get involved so much, was massive. And so you have made the decision to homeschool your kids. You are engaged and intentional in the way that you're interacting with them. So I want to encourage you not to look at this great, illustrious, wonderful goal of having Independent learners and try to impose that on your children before they're actually ready because that will make things difficult and you are going to be really frustrated because your child is not going to rise to the academic level or the mature level or any other level if they're not ready for it. And if you are gauging your success based on how much they can work by themselves, or if you turn them loose to work independently and they're not able to, and you're not checking in and remaining in an accountability role there really, really closely, you're going to be really frustrated and angry with them and think that they are being disobedient because they're going to fall way behind and that's going to mess up everything else in your family. So I just want to encourage you not to set an unrealistic expectation about how independently your children are learning before they're truly, truly ready. And that ready is going to look different for every single child and every single child in your family too. So don't think that just because you've got this super mature one who truly was ready to drive the their own ship when they were 10, 11 years old, whatever, and then you've got another one who is just more of a dreamer or more of a daydreamer or whatever, and not ready until they're like 16, 17 years old and you're going, they are never gonna be ready. We just have to remember that God created each of us as unique individuals. And you have got to parent and love and homeschool the child, each individual child that God gave you and not try to lump them together and not try to set them to a standard that is unreasonable that they would never be able to to live up to. So that's our second one. We've got the unrealistic love of learning and how we equate that the wrong way a lot of times. Because I would say that love of learning is very realistic. It's just how we look at it. The second thing is independent learner and what that actually looks like and how we apply that. The third thing that I find um, is a great source of frustration for so many is this idea of equality of roles within a homeschool. So mom and dad decide to do this together and they're gonna be absolute teammates in this and it's gonna be balanced and they're gonna juggle everything and teach. He's gonna teach a little, she's gonna teach a little. It's gonna be great. That rarely, rarely works. It sounds great, but even in our family, um, every time that I would ask David or think, you know, this would be great. David would love teaching this. Usually it was a science or something. I would think, oh, he's going to love really doing this stuff. And he gets so excited about it. And I would I would be very frustrated and I would end up taking it back. Why? Well, because he was working. He was doing all this other stuff We were doing school during the day. And even though we would set aside and say we were going to do this class after dinner or whatever, that's not really when you want to be doing school. You want the kids to be able to hang out and enjoy time with daddy, not pull everything out again and reboot the school day um, for another hour or so. So it was very impractical for us. And so for a long time. I kept trying to do that. I kept trying to figure out ways to to make him involved in a teaching capacity. Then I realized that his greatest contribution and his big role in all of this is is with me on the vision. I mean, we do everything together from the from a casting a vision, from actually looking at stuff. He would look at um, curriculum with me. We would talk about it. He helped me think through kind of rhythm and the way that we would approach things. He was such a wonderful counselor. And then, in addition to that, he was also a fantastic. Um, Support in reinforcing my role, reinforcing the fact that I was the one that was in charge of this area of our of of how what the kids were doing every day and how they needed to interact with me and how they needed to respect and do the work for me. He was. You know, we joke a lot about how they're the the husband or, you know, whoever is not the primary teacher is the principal. Well, that's a very valid thing. They provide that additional layer of structure and support, and they are able to learn and grow with you as the kids are discussing with them all the things that they've learned during the day. So then they're able to serve as a review with the kids because we all know that the highest level of learning is to be able to teach it. So when he is, what did you learn today? And then they are able to tell him or her, whoever is the the non-primary teacher in your family, when they are able to teach that back, they are serving as a phenomenal resource to help them review and solidify what they've learned. Plus, by teaching the your uh, your spouse, they are able to really enhance that love of learning because they get so excited about what they have retained and what they're able to share and what they're doing uh, that they're able to tell mommy or daddy or whoever has come home after work. So There are a lot of ways for your spouse to be deeply engaged in what's going on, but it may not look like teaching a class. It may not look like taking care of grading. It may not look like exactly what you were thinking it was going to be. But get together on the vision, create your mission statement. If you've not done that yet in the heart school class, I talk a lot about that, but there's a lot of resources where we've talked about that in other places as well. Make sure that you know why you're doing what you're doing, and then you're able to support one another and they're able to come alongside. Another way that your spouse is going to be a super help and super involved is to give you time to go plan. You know, in our family, for a long time, every Sunday night, I would, David, after church, we'd feed everybody, you know, then David would hang out with the kids and and stuff until bedtime. And I would either go to a coffee shop or go up into our room or whatever, and just take a little bit of time to plan the week ahead, make sure I knew what was going on, get my feet on the ground, make sure that everything was organized and ready. That is a great way that your spouse can be involved in just providing that assistant, that help that you need to to plan and prepare for the week ahead or the year ahead or whatever. So there are a lot of ways for you guys to tag team in, but don't have the unrealistic expectation that it's going to be equal, or even that there's going to be a lot of teaching from the other party, because that, unless work schedules are very unusual, that is, um, that's a difficult thing to maintain and to be consistent with. And if your kids know that you're not consistent with it, they're going to be frustrated too, because they're probably going to get in trouble for not getting stuff done when actually you guys are dropping the ball. I speak from very much experience there. So I just want to warn you about that unrealistic expectation um, and hope that you can find a great way to work together that is healthy and helpful and awesome and so fun and family strengthening rather than full of frustration and friction. So that's our third one. The fourth one that I want to just hit really, really quickly is the idea of an educational utopia. You know, there is homeschooling is one of my favorite things on the planet is I'm so grateful that God called us to do it. I am so thankful for the way that we have been able to do life with our kids. I am so thankful for the way that they have turned out. I am so thankful for the foundation that they have. I could go on and on and on about why homeschooling is the absolute best decision that we could have ever made for our family regarding um, the way, just the dynamic, the way that we chose to spend our time through those, their growing up years. So very thankful. It was not, however, full of completely utopian days every single day. And so there are going to be struggles that come in. And when those struggles come, if you are only thinking that everyone else's homeschool looks like their Instagram feed, then you're going to get really, really frustrated because that is an unrealistic expectation. Some of the things that you're very likely to struggle with is is boredom. You're going to get bored. Even though it's super fun and you get to see all these light bulbs come on with your kids and you're hanging out every day with your favorite people on the planet, you are still going to get in a rut, likely, where you just get bored. I did a lot while the kids were growing up. But we have the flexibility as homeschoolers to deal with that. So if you find that creeping up where you're getting bored or your kids are getting bored or whatever, take that flexibility, mix things up. You know, we would do upside down days. We would do pajama days. We would go take our our school to a state park where we would uh, do school for a little while and then play or hike or or whatever. There are a lot of ways to just mix things up. Some families will do a four-day school week and a three-day weekend every every week just to give them the respite that they need and the mix-up that they need. Still others will do kind of a a six-week on with a Sabbath week off again, just to to disrupt that boredom and to disrupt that cycle where they're just feeling like they're, they're running in mud and they just need a, a little bit of a clean start. So there are a lot of ways to disrupt that. But if you think that you are the only one who experiences it and so you're a failure, you obviously cannot do this, then that's where um, that educational utopian thing that you were looking for can become an unrealistic expectation and can really defeat you before you even get going very well. Um, So that's the first one. The second one is just what I call home woes. You have taken on a new full-time job as a homeschool teacher Um, In addition to that, though, you still have the responsibility for maintaining your home, for feeding these people all the time, for keeping their clothes clean, which seems like an impossible thing a lot of times, um, and for still loving on them and your spouse and everyone else. So there's a lot going on. When your expectation is that everything is going to function the same exact way that it did before you were homeschooling, or when you have expectations that you're going to be able to keep things in such a way that our counterparts who do not homeschool are able to, then you're really setting yourself up with some unrealistic expectations and you're going to find some frustration. You know, you, you are doing life together 24-7. Your house is not going to look like a museum. Now, you can engage everybody in different ways where they can have responsibilities and can work together to keep things tidy or to clean up or, and all of that. It's wonderful. That's a great teaching tool. It's a great way for them to understand that the world does not revolve around them and everybody in a family works together to make things happen. But even still, when an 11 year old boy cleans your bathroom it's not going to look the same way that it does if you did so you've got to be willing to to recognize what is truly important and to give a little bit on the things that aren't um for us we have always had people in our home all the time we we joke that our our front door is just revolving because we seem to every single day have spares in and out and it has been this way for years and i'm so so grateful But we could not do that if I was so hung up on museum quality, clean cleanliness and tidiness all the time, because honestly, life gets in the way of that. So I would encourage you to be as hospitable to your family as you can be and allow them to live there without the strain of this is making mama crazy. Now, on those times when it's just kind of spun out of control and you really need to do something wipe the slate clean, take a home ec day, clean it all up, send the kids off with daddy to play at the park for a day and you clean it up if that would make you feel better. So there's nothing wrong with getting it all all put back together, but recognizing that things won't function the same way because your priorities are different, your stage of life is different, the way that you all are choosing to do life is different. You don't have any hours of the day where you're alone and you're able to catch it back up. So just kind of bearing that in mind, because if you have those unrealistic expectations of keeping up the way that you did pre-children or the way that your mom is able to now or whatever, it can get really defeating. And that can be a real frustration it can cause cause mama especially to become kind of brittle because we we're real hard on ourselves and um, honestly it's just unrealistic so I don't want you to put those unrealistic expectations on yourself any more than on your children then the next thing and I'm gonna go on and end with this one is it's just feeling like a failure you know it's very easy to to look at what we're doing day in and day out and then to judge ourselves by the things that we don't think we're doing very very well one of the things that i write a lot about in the new heart school book is new benchmarks new ways to look at your day and and how that can change the way that you gauge the success of it now in order to do that you've got to have that mission in place because you've got to see how your mission influences those new benchmarks but if we are if we are setting our sights on things that are lesser if we are getting so hung up on things that that really don't matter or that are you know just areas that our children are still growing in and they're not mature enough if we if we are gauging our success by the fact that our kids love to do school or they are independent learners prematurely that's going to cause us to feel like a failure so you can see how all of this kind of works together so i don't want you to allow yourself to feel like a failure because you are gauging your days in the wrong way you know can you look back on your day and see that you had a great conversation with your child and you actually feel like you know them better after it? Did you get into a situation where your kids were teaching somebody what they had just learned? That's indicative of a love of learning. There's all kinds of different ways that you can be looking at and judging the success of your days where you will not feel like a failure. So I encourage you to start thinking in those terms. Again, pick up that that little Heart School book when it comes out. Um, coming out in the next couple of weeks. Be watching for it. Watch Homeschool Subjects, which is probably where we'll announce it. The Homeschool Subjects is our Sunday night email. It comes out every Sunday night. It takes you... Less than 15 minutes and you will get so much cool information to supercharge your homeschool for the week, give you great ideas, a little bit of teaching, some resources, and then some fun links of just things that you can do or explore or whatever. Uh, If you've not signed up for that, go to homeschoolsubjects.com. It's free and we would love for you to get that every week. But, but be on the lookout for that new heart School book. I truly believe that that will be a, a great help to you as it will help you reset and reframe the way that you look at the success of your days. I hope that this has been an encouraging time. I hope that that you maybe you saw in yourself some unrealistic expectations and, and maybe you'll take some time to just kind of think through where are you where are you setting up? your children or yourself or your spouse for failure because of unrealistic expectations. Take an account of that. Pray your way through it. Ask God to give you wisdom as to how to how to address those issues and to change the way that you're gauging the success or you're gauging the growth in your children or whatever it is uh, and making your expectations a lot more reasonable and that will fill your days with a lot more joy. I want to remind you about that uh, that great art class that I told you about at the beginning. Go to creatingamasterpiece.com to learn more. Really, really awesome, awesome art projects that they offer there. Then finally, I hope that you will join us in San Diego or Washington, D.C. over the next month and a half or so, we will be there on uh, in San Diego September, no, 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 October 22nd, and then a couple of weeks later on November 5th, we'll be in Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible, and we would love to see you there. I truly believe that it will be a help to your family and a great encouragement to your heart. So have a wonderful rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. us today. We believe that every family is called to Teach Them Diligently, so we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events, and then throughout the year when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community. Check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.